that, the scripture's one that's built layer by layer, brick by brick. All we've been studying over the past years builds up on one another, and it's a house fitly joined together. At times, the prophets would have to come forth and shaken up the church or shaken up God's peoples with words that were relevant for their time, relevant for times ahead, to strengthen them, to give them hope, Lord, and to sometime admonish them and warn them of what was going on. That's one of the things about this morning's text. It's not just a warning, but it's telling us of what is happening inside the church and Far too often preachers preach about what's going on outside the church, not relevant to the church, not warning the members inside the church, but denigrating those outside the church and not doing his job of strengthening that which remains. And there's one of the scriptures I told you that was placed in my mind coming here 13 years ago or so. Now, that wasn't the first time I appeared here, but that was the first time I come in the capacity of ministering and carrying forth God's word, and that was out of Revelations. Third chapter, strengthen that which remains, because the church has went to sleep. The church is slumbering, and he says, arise out of that slumber. And as dealing with a lot of the older churches, you're dealing with churches that... People move from one spot from sleeping at home to coming to church to sleep. You know, that's their posture. That's their position is sleeping and slumbering. And we are at a time now where the church is there. And secular society uses the terminology. Now you're hearing it a lot. Woke, that the people are woke, awoke in society. There's nothing more dangerous than a woken person person that's woke is a person that's aware of what's going on around them, that notices their surroundings and can participate and kind of has a discernment, a knowledge of what's going on. But we see here where God speaks to his people that they're asleep, they're slumbering. You're asleep, you're inattentive and not, not aware of what's going on. And he says in the 56th chapter, the ninth verse, All ye beasts of the field come to devour, yea, all ye beasts of the forest. His watchmen are blind, they are all ignorant, they are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yes, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough, and they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own ways, every one for his gain. From his quarter. Come ye, say they, I will fetch wine and we will be fill ourselves with strong drinks. Tomorrow shall be as this day, much more abundant. You know, Satan deceived the whole world. Yes. And with that, he's deceived the church. The greatest deception is his union of the church with the world. The world has come inside the church. And Jesus Christ, through his apostles, Admonishing his church, he says, Awaken, thou that sleepest. The church has gone to sleep on Christ. But he also is calling, he, he's calling the Gentiles to awaken. And when he says, Arise from the dead, that's the quickening of the Gentiles because those outside the church are going to be the strongest weapons of the church when he calls the Gentiles into the church because he's going to have to move a lot of his saints out of the way that are taking up space that cannot arise, that, that they have maybe done their jobs or whatever. A lot of times when we do what we're supposed to do, we kind of, if if we don't move out of the way, we'll be hindered. He says, the fig tree that cumbered the ground. We're going to look at that next chapter when it says in chapter 57, the righteous perish and no man laid it to the heart. Merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. 
A lot of people don't realize that he removed Enoch. Enoch was translated, but didn't say Enoch went to heaven, that he took Enoch to heaven. Mm. That Elijah was translated or moved. <clears throat> the people that studying the Bible nowadays and looking at that, that the, when the people says that the old preachers and things use Enoch as a type, those that were translated or not, it moves from one place to another. If I translate or remove something from one place, mm-hmm. it's to move it away from the evil. For we know Jesus Christ in the New Testament says, no man had ascended up, but he that ascended down. Yes. Is that scripture or not? Isn't Jesus Christ the only man who had ascended down? Yes. He's the only man that's ascended up also. Yes. So no one else has. So that we're not a, a church of people that studies God's word. And, he, and that's what he told his people. He says, study to show thyself approval work and that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So you have those that are studying the word of God now. That, that's what should consume most of our time, a studying of God's word and finding your purpose and place inside the body of Christ, which is inside the church. We notice that Jesus ran the money changes out of the church, that Jesus removed the money changes. That was one of his last acts. That was so that the church could have those come in that was going to be vital functioning parts of the church. Sometime when that vitality is gone, sometime when we, uh, a lot of old people that are in the church, say they've done their part. They go sit down and let the young people work a little bit. Well, at that point in time, you come in the ground, you know, it may be time to move on. Because like I said, if you're old, that doesn't mean that you, you still can't do effective part. You could be a prayer. I tell you about C.A. Spurgeon, his older people and a lot of people that were prayer warriors, as I used to tell Sister Harris, you may not can physically work or whatever. You may be too old to be on a job or whatever, but you should be at home praying. Praying for the church, praying for things. The television, watching television is not praying, laying there, sitting there, slumbering and sleeping and playing games and doing other things that are your own. That, that's not working. Prayer is hard work. And that's what he calls us into the church to work. We should be mindful of that. That's why he says, wake up. Don't be entertained by this world. Uh, I have a free few, few scriptures here that goes along with what had happened because it was the leaders, he said, that were ignorant and blind and that was the blind leading the blind. It comes a time when you have to walk a different path than those that are leading you. Sometime a man grow up and leave mother, father, and sister, and brother, whatever, and, and starts his own home. There's times that we go out whether we leave the church that we're in and go to another church or whatever we do, we have to stay within God's will, where God has us in his place. Now, sometimes that calls for a rebellion, calls for civil disobedience. The midwives during the time of Pharaoh didn't kill off the children, and God rewarded them for doing that because, as Peter says, Man must obey God rather than man. We're in a time when our church leaders and our political leaders, those that are leading us, leading us, they're blind, they're dumb, they're ignorant. They're marrying things together that they shouldn't marry. And the example of that is secular marriage, same-sex marriage. And now we have same denominational or unconventional denominational marriage. Everybody wants to be a Christian. So you need to be aware of those in the church because Christianity has a national Christianity. Everybody that's naming the name of Jesus and those of us that are, are slumbering and are sleeping, they are some of the most dangerous because they helps us or they'll help us or move us to believe a lie just because someone names the name of Jesus. I was watching a news clip from The View the other day, and the women were talking about it, and we have one of the most dangerous things we could have. Now, the man that's third, second in line to the presidency, the Speaker of the House, and they said, he's different from the rest of the 
Jim Jordan and the rest of them because he don't look evil. And that's some, one of the worst deception that there is, an antichrist of, of persons that not against Christ, but they are in a Christ. In other words, in place of Christ. And that's what Paul talked about, another Jesus. In other words, someone that preaches the Word, someone that teaches the Word, that, that's a more deadly person if they're a false prophet, if they're a false teacher, if they're not truly converted. And that's what God's talking here. That's why he says, the beasts of the field come and devour, and that he was going to attack his people, the people within the church. We look in Revelation where he said he was going to come and fight against the church. One of those first churches that are talked about is Sardis. Now, I have a lot in your notes that I may not directly get to because it's a lot of reading and a lot of scripture. And I ask us one of the things that we ask for prayer for, for us to be praying about, is for people to come into church, especially someone that can work the internet, you know, work web pages and things, design web pages. And we see in misinformation out there and disinformation. But there's a lot of good information out there. And we need to be to fight that battle. We need people that that are purposed toward the church that God has to fight these battles. The leader of the church at Sardis was written a letter. It says, This message is sent to you by one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven churches. I know your reputation as a live and active church, but you're dead. That's what he told the church at Sardis. They have a reputation for being alive, but that reputation is like maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers of old have a reputation of having tough teams or whatever, but right now they're dead and they need to strengthen that which is about to die. There are a lot of churches. Think of the churches that then came through Baton Rouge that will remember the Holy Ghost Temple, the Abundant Tabernacle, and all of these different places. Yes. Yes. It, it wasn't anchored. It wasn't a strong support system there. So as that leader passed on, there were no one to pass it on to the growth rotated. And that's what we have happening now with mega churches or whatever because we're not really working on the Word of God and developing what we should be so the churches could be many a small churches or small fold churches. Continuing on, he says, Now wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is at the point of death. Your deeds are far from right in the sight of God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly and turn to me again, Unless you do, I will come suddenly upon you unexpected as a thief and punish you. In other words, he's going to come in and punish, and that's what he's doing now. He's punishing the church. He's punishing the people. You know, our children and our grandchildren, a lot of us have grandchildren that are old enough to be working components of the church. We have to pray and everything that God would strengthen us for their demise also. Because they're not in the church doing what they should be doing. You have secular people out in the world realizing that the battle and the danger that the country and the nation is in because of what's going on. They're what you call woke, whereas those in the church are asleep, are slumbering. And God's saying he has a remnant. He has a remnant that he's going to call forth to come in and do the things that we need be done as a church. Those that will say, come, let us go up to the house of the Lord and learn of him. In other words, it's not forsaking assembling together and doing what they should be for doing for God. If you read Malachi 2 and 11, it was the priest. It was Judah. It was God's people who had dealt treacherously with God. He says in Judah, in Israel, and in Jerusalem, there's treachery. For the men of Judah has defiled God's holy and beloved temple by marrying heathen women. And that kept on throughout the period of time, even when they came back from captivity, from Babylonian captivity. Isaiah and Nehemiah spoke of that. 
the same thing that's going on today. We've gotten so far away from the Lord. God says He's going to punish the priest. He's going to punish the people. And that, that, that's what's happening at this time. We need to save ourselves from this untoward generation. Nehemiah says, Now there was a great outcry of the poor people and their wives against their Jewish brothers to whom they were deeply in debt. For there were some who were saying, We along with our sons and daughters are many, therefore allow us to get grain. They were looking for food and that they had been treated roughly and they were being charged usury. And we see the oppression, oppression that's going on of the poor in the nation and that it's even our sons and daughters who have crossed those lines of divide or whatever and not attending to what they're supposed to be attending to. Not that God's not allowing to come on some of us olders who wasn't, hadn't served the Lord, you know, because we wait till we too old to serve the Lord and have learned or whatever before we come into the church. we almost useless coming in there. Even though we turn to the Lord, we at the end to that point, and like Anna and Simeon, they were still going to the temple. They were still praying. We need to ask God to help us, help us to rise up out of this stupor. So as this conclusion comes a little bit later, be a longer, a much longer than the prologue of what I've said before, because we are in a period that God has poured this out upon the world. God had poured it up on, on the earth and he's able to keep us during this hour of temptation. But just as in the book of Romans, the Jews, he had poured out a spirit of slumber upon them, a period of sleep. You notice everywhere you go, there's music or something playing that's kind of lulling the people to sleep. There's games and things to keep people entertained, to keep their minds away from God. There's television, entertainment, and streaming thing to keep people focused on what's their pleasure, on something to get away. It's a panacea, in other words. It's a drug. They become addicted to it. Whether you're addicted to cocaine, hair, sex, <clears throat> you can be addicted to sex, right? You could be addicted to gambling. That, that's, that's where the adrenaline roars at. Is those numbers right? Is what those that you chose. Will you be the next billionaire? Will you be the next millionaire? Will you be the next lottery winner? When you get that scratch off, that's adrenaline. That's a rush or whatever. Some of us can't wait to football season. And they've integrated football, baseball, and basketball where you could just gamble and wage on your phone there. Gambling is an addiction, it's a panacea. It is replaced things in life. Also, we are a society given to eating with gluttonous. Sometimes we look for comfort food. We just eat and we eat and eat. And some of us, we can't wait to get out of here. We can't wait to leave before we looking for the next meal or whatever. We're a society that's an obese society. Satan works on us from all different ways or whatever. Television. How much television we'll watch today to entertain ourselves? How much television? Games. How, much, how many people become workaholics and really have a balanced life? Their lives are balanced. They're not just working. Some people just work, 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 work. And you know, I hope my children... Don't inherit that from me. I did a lot of work when I was young. Work, work, work. All works and no play make Jack a dull boy. I'm not saying anything wrong with work because if a man don't work, he shouldn't eat. Scripture says there must be a balance there. The Greek word translated spirit can refer to one's mental disposition and the Greek word translated stupor can refer to lethargic or slumber. It can be lethargy. Now open your eyes. They can kind of look at me now. I don't want that spirit here looking. And we have to look at this thing here. First point is stupor. Uh, you know, some people in a drunken stupor, they say. Those with this spirit cannot perceive or understand because their mental disposition refuses. Like a sleeping child who being awakened 
and kind of want to go back to sleep. It's like you're hitting that snooze button. You lay in the bed. Anybody that's a seasoned vet and getting up in the morning knows you need to go and get up when you wake up because if you lay there, you may go back to sleep. A lot of us just want to pull that cover over us and get about five or ten more minutes sleep. That, that sleep doesn't do you any good because you don't have time to get a rest if you go back to sleep during that snooze time. All of that sleep is no good. So we're walking around in a stupor, and that's what the prophets say. We're not cognizant. We're not aware of what's going around, around us spiritually. He's not talking just physically. This is not, it's manifest in the physical, but the church is in a stupor. And that, we've seen that politically where they married the political system a few years back. A lot of people think to be a conservative Republican means to be a Christian. That's the most misleading of all. That, that's what's been happened to the nation. Not that it just started then because that started way back when they first formed the nation. It started way back when they when Israel was first formed. Or do I need to go back during the times of Noah, of the false preachers during that time? Noah was a preacher of righteousness, and so there were preachers of unrighteousness during that time. Satan had always been here. He was in the Garden of Eden. That's why God told Cain that you of your father the devil who was a murderer in the beginning. You've adapted those characteristics. You've adapted those characteristics. Second point here, that God allows those grievous wolves in, and Paul told them after he leave, grievous wolves would enter into the pack, not sparing the flock. And that's why I told you he invited them to come into the flock. Because after he warns you, and you know that this is a dangerous world that you're living in, that you should be walking circumspectively. None of us really have the fear of God because we think that we can handle those things that we're doing. That's why we're eating unworthily of the Lord's table because we think we got this. We follow models. I, I remember I told you I was watching the preacher that said that kept using the motto, God got this, God got you, God got you. Watch mottos and everything. Maybe a false prophet telling you that you get hung up on all those things and not realizing you should have it too. If God's in you, because God should be in you both to work it to will and do. You have to catch hold to this. You have to catch the rhythm of the stroke. You have to fight this battle and you have to be awoke to fight this battle. And Satan is just lulling you to sleep. His preachers are preaching peace, peace, and that you have favor with God and that you're wealthy and that you have all you need. And a lot of us are cruising along and that's the problem with America. We're cruising along and have what we need and sitting back and relaxing. There's a lot of them that stood up and are saying about what's going on in Israel with the Palestinians and how they're murdering those people to root out Hamas. Well, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So they're going in and they're telling millions of people to move fast or we're going to destroy everything to root out Hamas. That's like the spies when they didn't do what God told them to do then they determined that they was going to go in the land after God says too late. See, the day is the day of salvation when you hear his voice. Oh, yes. But you can't wait to move when you want to move. Netanyahu, as crooked as he is, he waited. He, he won't have this job after this is all over. But right now, he's talking about exterminating Hamas. Hamas has been around a long time now. Now, he's crooked as a rattlesnake, and he's trying to root out that which is crooked. You can't defeat the devil that way. This is not a physical warfare we're in. This is spiritual warfare. Now, you're murdering a lot of innocent people and everything because you've been ashamed. You've like Bush was on 9-11 when they came in and attacked America. Now, you want to say the axes of evil. You want to go start a years-long war in Afghanistan that just ended not long ago. You want to attack Iran and Iraq and all of these nations because you were asleep at the wheel. Mm. Yes. 
Netanyahu was asleep at the wheel. The pastors and the preachers are asleep at the wheel. We've talked about that, being asleep at the wheel. Who's driving the car? You see, if God's not driving the car and keeping us woke, if the preachers are not warning and making us aware, there's a picture I'm trying, I've been trying to think for a while. What was the name of it? Nick Nolte, I mean, Nicholas Cage was in it. It was about a fallen angel who had fell from grace because he loved this woman. And the air controllers and things were sitting there, the ones that were directing the planes in, and they were sitting there asleep doing their jobs. And the angels were shaking them saying, wake up, wake up. Here it is, the preachers of God telling us to wake up. Wake up, we are asleep at the wheel. We are in a stupor. We are in the church sleeping. Not just physically, but spiritually. You need to wake up. Amen. See, because if you're asleep, you could do like Peter. God, Jesus says, you couldn't watch with me one hour. Peter was so out of this that, that when the soldiers came, he jumped up with his sword and he chopped one of the soldiers' ears off doing something irrational. If you're in a sleep and someone attacks you or something comes upon you by not being aware of your surroundings, see the five wise were aware. They kept trimming their oil so they didn't fall off to a stupor. They may have slumbered because the Bible said they all slumbered. So what? nothing's wrong with sleep, but if we sleep too sound, there's the problem. The five wives were sleeping too sound. We have to sometimes loose the things of the world. We have to learn. That's what the Sabbath example is, a day meant for the Lord. Give yourself totally to the Lord that day. That's a learning curve that we're on, and we'll learn how to survive in the millennia, in, in, in the next life. If we learn that he must increase and we must decrease. So during the week, it's all right to watch some television, or a little entertainment or whatever side things that kind of keeps a little variety in your life. But there needs to be a Sabbath day of rest away from that when it's dedicated to God. That way you'll learn to balance the rest of your life. You'll want that on Saturday because there's nothing dull about the Sabbath. There's nothing dull about God. There's nothing dull about holiness. But what happens, they brought to profane into holiness. Those grievous wolves. Now, another grievous wolf that come in is sleep, the lack of prayer. Now, I tell you, that's what happens with a lot of us as we grow older. You sitting there uh, a lot of times in prayer service or whatever, and I told you about people sleeping or whatever, and say they were just praying, they had their eyes closed, praying, they were listening, but just with their eyes closed. Okay. Okay. Atrophy sets in. Atrophy, atrophy is a decrease in size or wasting away of a body part or whatever for lack of use. For lack of use, we cannot use parts. We not use portions of our body or do certain things and they start to atrophy and they start to freeze up. Your muscles start to turn their fat or flab. They're not strong as they need to be or whatever. Same thing with us. The treacherous shepherds that we're not being aware that speaking and lulling us to sleep is because they're saying things that they want us that we love to hear. And we go to sleep, we're happy with because they're saying peace and they're telling us things that a lot of the mega preachers are preaching. And that's why we have such a volume of people that seems to be Christian people. But it's the blind leading the blind. They're not warning the people because the shepherds are acting on their own desires. He says the 11th verse, and they are greedy as dogs, never satisfied. They are stupid shepherds who only look to their own interests. He's trying to get as much as he can get for himself from every possible source. Come, they say, we'll get some wine and drink and party, and tomorrow be better because they are growing. But they are the lay of the sin church. They think they have no need of nothing, but they're poor, wretched, and blind, and negative because 
They are not concentrating on spiritual strength. They are not concentrating on spiritual strength. A state of spiritual inactiveness and at being at ease. And scripture says, woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. Yes. You couldn't go to sleep in the Holy of Holies. That's why they put bells on the priests. Because if they heard those bells stop moving, that meant he was dead and they would have to drag him out. But otherwise, he couldn't take a seat. He couldn't stop moving. We can't stop moving with God. We can't stop. If you start stop moving, you're not progressing. You atrophy. You're going backwards because there's motion in God. The Spirit give it life. Faith has works, and a faith without works is a dead faith. Yes. And the church has a dead faith. Yes. We should be living. We should be doing. And there are three implications of spiritual sleep three implications of spiritual sleep here it gives access to evil seeds Matthew 13 and 15 says but while everyone was sleeping his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away you know nothing corrupts like spiritual sleep they wasn't aware it was a guy that somebody's parking in the house next to me or whatever at night time or whatever. I don't know what they're up to or whatever. I've called the police a couple of times. They had came out to do anything or whatever. But I'm aware of it and I pray to God about it or whatever. And hopefully God does what he needs to do about these things. But we are aware of it. The guy, when they came in and told the master, he said, yeah, I'm aware that they planted bad seed among those seeds. He says, but allow the wheat and tear to grow together. And I'll separate them at the end of the harvest. So we must be aware of those evil tares in the world. We must be aware of the evil tares. In other words, we must be awoken, as the old people used to say, every closed eye ain't sleep. Sometimes you know about things, but you don't have the sufficiency to, to do anything about it. But you need to acknowledge to God that you are aware that something is attacking or doing you something. and We do corporate prayer on Mondays, but daily prayer, consistent prayer to God about things everybody's doing. He says, with prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to God. Jesus was a man of prayer. He consistently prayed. You should be praying about everything. Now, I don't know how much you're praying about, but your prayer life, the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man avail it much. And if we're not praying, and, and only God knows that and judge that, that's why what's coming up on the world is coming. And sometimes we can't tear ourselves too much apart when others beside us fall or whatever. We ask God to strengthen us during that time we love them. Paul loved Trophimus, but he left him behind sick because there's what nothing he can do. Maybe Trophimus had ran his course. Yes. Yes. We all have a course to run. Mm. Yes. Second one is it empowers the ministry of evil. It empowers the ministry of evil. There are a lot of people sitting in churches, giving to those churches. When they go to these different churches or whatever, and you wonder why they're in there, you empowering that evil. You're supposed to know what that preacher's preaching. You're supposed to be a good Berean. Go back and study to see if those things are so what they say. If it's not so, you need to get from under him. You need to get from under that. It's too many people giving their money to these churches and everything. As a lot of them talk against Swagger now that were in Swagger Church who realized what Swagger was doing or whatever. They're added long in the rest of these preachers or whatever. But when a preach, preacher falls, an after person happens, it's a lot of us, I, I know they wasn't no good in here, I know this and that. No, you didn't. No, you wouldn't have been with them. You'd have, you wouldn't have been tied up with that. We need to not have association, but we need to pray for discernment from God. A thief is most powerful at night because most people are inactive, uh, in an inactive state that, at that time. 
And that's why I say we're sleeping. We grope around in the dark. Even though it's daytime, we're in spiritual darkness. We can't see what's happening. It's that effect that we can't see the trees. We see the forest. We can see everything around the big picture. But the details, it's, the details matter. I told you that's what Rachel kept saying. Details matter. Yes. It's the weightier matters of the law. The book Song of Psalms says the small foxes, are, no, it's Ecclesiastes says the small foxes destroy the vines. The devil is a thief and his activities is to steal, kill, and to destroy. And these empowered when men are asleep. People plant little subtle sayings. They come back with gossips and little tidbits about other people in other churches. Where it's a, if it's a problem with the church you attend, have you told the elders or someone in that church about their problems before you spread it to somewhere else? Before you tell somebody else about it? That's a family problem that should be handled over there. And if you need to leave away from random, don't be a part of them. Now, God talked to some of these churches, and he told them he knew the problem and what was going on. Sometimes God tells you to stay put. God leaves you in marriages, he leaves you in family, and he leaves you in places, but he's the fortress. You have to be in Christ. So there's a lot of people preaching and teaching the gospel that are not in Christ. These are false prophets, and they're fighting with the word of God and it is to deceive you, for Satan's ministers are transformed into angels of light. So you should be studying and looking at the details and asking God for understanding. Because he said, the problem with these leaders of these wolves, that they lacked understanding, that they were ignorant. And it says, at the time of our ignorance, God winked. But he has commanded now that all men would repent. And that is, study the scriptures now to show yourself approved workers that need not be ashamed. In other words, you shouldn't let them pull the wool over your eyes now. That there's a way that you, you, there's a battle that you're in and that you can fight and overcome these things. There's a whole lot of different things we try to do to overcome sleep in the physical. That's the same thing within the spiritual. There's a lot of different things that we need to try to do to awaken from this slumber, this stupor that we're in. That spirit is poured out. Now, it's here. And it's real. You easily miss your hour of visitation if the spirit of slumber keeps harassing you. And that's what happened with Israel. They missed their times of visitation. And that's because in the temple was thrown down and destroyed because there was an opportunity there for you to do something. The door was open and you didn't realize you had an open door. I have here a few quotes from some people in the secular about these sleeping in. What happens when we entropy and different things that happen at atrophy, what sleep causes you ever slept on your hand or fell asleep in a different posture or whatever and rose up with a crick in your neck or that your hand had fell numb or dead or something or some body part was it a problem? We have to watch our sleeping postures to tell you about the pillows that we sleep on and the mattress and the different things we sleep with. Extended periods of weightlessness resulting in body fluids pooling in the upper torso causing changes in how the heart pumped blood. In addition, muscles began to atrophy, bones lost calcium and mass. When you sit down too much, they tell you not to be sedentary because as you get older, it's harder for the heart to pump fluid back up all the way from the extreme portions of your feet and legs and things. And being sedentary, you're not the same as you used to be working eight hours a day or doing as much activity. That's why as you get older, they ask you to join gyms and clubs or whatever and work out as best you can or whatever and 
sleep with your feet elevated or whatever so that the heart would pump blood more. That was by Warren Leary. Ada Brunel says, because of an incomplete spine, only one nerve serviced her legs, causing them to atrophy in her body parts. Sometimes we don't function the same. That you have blockages of nerves and arteries and what happens in a stroke that you have a blood clot or something that stops it from circulating. So all of these are physical things of sleep, but it's the same things spiritually. If we don't stay mentally strong, meditating upon Scripture, it tells us to meditate upon Scripture and exercise of use of those Scriptures. In other words, practical applications of Scripture. Communion with nature strengthens both body and soul. Isolation from nature causes both to atrophy by Mark Purcell. That's why they tell you, and you see on television, the news and the health program, tell you to get out for a walk. Yes. Take you a nature walk. Go out in the park. Get you some vitamin D. Get you some sun. It helps both the body and soul. It helps you to think because as you get older, you still need to have thoughts and imaginations and work your mind and look. But we should have a true view of true hopes, and that's the promises of God. What God will do in the world tomorrow, because when we start viewing God's word, his promises, and what we are hoping for, to bring that in our lives, we pray for that. And as we go along in nature, God speaks to us. We want to stay in communion with God. In other words, he speaks to our soul. He speaks to that inner man, that heart that he's changing. And we have promises and hopes that aren't realized that we say we're going to be here to realize this. We start having a zeal, a zest to live. We're not just laying down from day to day living in someone else's world. You know, television is contrived that you live in television's world. You have to live the characters, the way they are written and everything, and that's the show is written. A lot of people don't even like the thing. That's why some shows started with alternate endings or whatever, because some people like to think, what if, what can change? But, you know, we love to just sit there and think, that's the character, that's the how they is or whatever. Well, the character may be written wrong. Who's to say that person is right? That's why I say that won't. this won't be in the next life because... This is people forming our way of thinking, and it causes you to be lazy. When we turn against the old educational system of children reading books and everything, did you remember Miss Andrews and all of those English classes we were in, and they tell children to read books during the summer or whatever? Reading books open up your mind much more than television and movies do. And this one book right here, if we read this book, it unlocks your mind. It transforms your mind. It gives you a new way of thinking, and it quickens, it wakens, it makes you alive. Yes, Lord. There's no other book. Uh, we pay billions of dollars reading books that other people write about this book when this book is almost free. It says, come buy without money. Come drink wine, milk, and cheese. All the stuff that needs to strengthen you, it's in here. It's for any good old boy to read. It's for any good old girl. And this gives you eternal life. It gives you the mind of God. It gives you God's mind. It galvanizes you. It makes you bring forth community. And it makes Satan stand out from the others. It gives you a discernment. And you can see when Satan has entered into the political and the theological landscape. You can see him entering through the political and theological landscape. After being out of work a few years, you may find your work skills have atrophied. Someone who's living in an isolated life may discover that the same skills have also isolated the social skills. In other words, you can't talk to people the way you need to and conversation doesn't follow a dialogue or anything you want have you noticed people that aren't used to other people being around them and sometimes they tug at you to stay longer than you want to stay because the loneliness and things what it does 
That's why they have adult sinners and people that go to church and with other people or whatever. But you try and some people rush out of church soon as church over and you never talk to the people within church and you don't know how their children doing, how they're doing things in the world. God had committed us, created us as social creatures, social creatures. It's good to get together. It's good to see people sitting out playing dominoes, checkers, and horseshoes, and the community being alive. We are frightened people. We all inside watching television, not moving, sitting down, not doing anything. That's not how God created man. And we launch out at man, and we become insensitive to the destruction and the things going on around us. You know, you start waking up a little bit later each morning and each day. They, the days meld together. There's no difference in days. and There's no set goals of things to accomplish that day. Right. Our lives have atrophy. There's no action in There's no goals. Mm. A democracy can atrophy when citizens cease to pay attention to how they're being governed. And that's what's going to happen here. We're not watching how we're being governed. And a political show was on the other day and saying that some parties now can't govern. They just want to rule. They want to be tyrants or whatever. And they'll fail or cease to govern. And that's what God talks about his kingdom. The government will be on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. But God's kingdom is not ruled the way man's kingdom is. So we have to get used to living in, under God's form of government. The most practical way to do that is by living in it and doing that, that his will be done. We should practice that and God's going to give us the strength. That's what we ask in God to give us the strength to do that each and every day now. And it's only by his word, walking in his word to perform that. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14 says, Concerning this we have much to say, and, is, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull and sluggish in your spiritual hearing. In other words, you're sleepy, you're not alert, you're not aware to what's being said. A lot of people go to a lot of emotional churches or whatever to keep them hype. They depending on the preacher to liven them up or whatever. That's why they have choice and uh, preachers and everything. But it's the word of God that should give you life. Amen. It's what's being said. The words, they are spirit and they are life. It says, your spiritual hearing has become dull and, and you're disinclined to listen. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... Because of the time you've learned these truths, you actually need someone to teach you again the elementary principles of God's word from the beginning. And you have come to be continually in need of milk. That's why I was saying about that church that kept talking Acts 2.38, baptism. Let us dive deeper in that book. I'm sure it's more in that than about baptism. I'm sure it's more in the Bible than about homosexuality. About gambling, because you talk about people that gambling in lottery, isn't the stock market gambling? But the preachers and things say, well, that's a different form. That's the way society, no, that's the way a capitalistic society does. Now, if you want to talk about the government, we can or whatever. But those who play the stock market and losing billions and millions of dollars, you're no different than the average gambler here. See, if you want to talk about prostitution, you talk about the street harlot or whatever. How about those in Washington? How about the men harlots that are selling themselves to other men for fear of what men would do to them? That's what the political party of. They'll fear they would be destroyed by this other guy that's supposed to be their superhero. They have a fear of man. It says, for everyone who lives on milk, that is, they are doctrinally inexperienced and unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a spiritual infant. But solid food is for the spiritually mature whose senses are trained by practice, by practice. Listen, by practice. In other words, by using it, by discerning it, by asking God how to use his word. Understand, when Satan came to Jesus, he came quoting scriptures. 
That's what the people are doing now. Everybody's a Christian trying to tell us what the Bible says. You should know what the Bible says. You should be in contact with the God of that Bible. He should be the one telling you this is the way walk therein. You shouldn't just walk that path because somebody blindly tells you to walk that path. Just because somebody comes up to you and tells you this and that. You beware of man. Are you following God or are you following man? And just because you think you know, you better watch, be sure you know because self can fool you too. Yes. When you start standing for yourself, when faith works are produced by the Spirit working in us. Faith works by the Spirit producing in us. For it is God who is producing in you both the desire and the ability to do what pleases him. That's Philippians. It says it's God. So unless you are born again, that's why he says you're slumbering in sleep. Maybe you're not born again. And, you know, the ones that he's saying wake up are the ones that are born again. But you're quenching the spirit. You're doing things that grieve the spirit because that old man, that old nature, every time you tempt to do good, He's telling you to put the snooze on. Stay back a while. Don't rise up against this. Don't sacrifice against this. That old man, you have to mortify the deeds of the body. That self-pleasure, that what you love. You know, I know I love this. And I just got to get me a piece of this fried chicken or whatever. No, maybe you need boiled chicken. Maybe you need plant-based protein at that time. Another translation, the Waymark. New Testament translation says, For it is God himself whose power creates within you the desire to do his gracious will and also brings about the accomplishment of the desire. Mm. So that's why I said the changing of the mind. So if you're putting the word of God into you, then those should be your desires that he had given you. And that way you're thanking God's <laughs> thoughts and he's going to cause you to walk in his ways. He's going to lead you in path of righteousness to accomplish those things to bring about the accomplishment of those desires. Amen. Yes. The Amplified says, for it, is most, for it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work, that is strengthening energizing and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. Yes. So it has to be God. And that's why it says those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Yes. They'll mount up with wings as an eagle. Yes. They'll walk and not be weary because it is God that's strengthening you because you're desiring to fulfill his will. You're saying, thy will be done. Yes. Thy kingdom come. Yes. Help me this day to do what it is that is pleasing unto you. And I'm going to have to skip all these things, all these things in between and give you a few steps here. Just a couple of steps that help to come out of this snooze you're in. He says, be watchful and strengthen the things that remain. To be watchful means struggle to wake up now. Remember he told him to watch and pray. He says, and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember I said we need to preach to the church. You're not right. I'm not talking about those outside the church. I'm saying in here that we're not right. That's why slumber is coming over you. Yes. And he says, if you will not watch, I will come on you as a thief. And you remember I told you, the thief comes at night. He comes when you're asleep. He comes when you're vulnerable. Yes, Jesus. Yes. Open your eyes lest you fall into temptation. Then he said to them, when he came back and found Peter and them sleep, he says, why do you sleep? Rise and pray lest you're into temptation. You see what's the key here all the time? It's prayer. It's communication with God. Talking with God. And like I say, you could be old and bedridden. You could pray to God. Yes. Prayer is the key here. Yes. Tell me your condition. Prayer is the key. Are we praying to God? Yes. He says, you have a few names in Sardis 
who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. A few names. He didn't say all of them. A few of them. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess him unto my father. You know, white is a symbol of purity. White is a symbol that we've washed our clothes in the blood of the Lamb. It says, keep your garments. In the book of Revelation, the color white stands for purity and heaven. Garments, you remember it says, put on Christ, clothe in Christ. Garments stand for your behavior. Living a holy life will help to keep you spiritually awake and make you an overcomer. Living a holy and spiritual life, awake makes you an overcomer. Because without holiness, and we must pursue holiness, Holiness is something that we follow after. We have to catch up with it. Oh, yes. Yes, Lord. You pursue it. You search. You seek for it as you would for precious gold, for precious surgery. But we have to walk therein. And you wash your clothes in the blood of the Lamb. The practical steps to overcome the spirit of slumber. Follow Jesus' example. Use your sword. Use and become exercise of use of the word of God by studying the word of God. Learn the word of God for yourself. Not what your preacher knows, not what your brother knows, not what your sister, your wife, or spouse, or whoever. You need to know the word of God, and you need to know that experientially. In other words, you stake your life on that because that's the way you live it. For God you live and for God you die. Another practical step in overcoming the spirit of slumber is to worship. Forsake not the assembling together of yourselves. Look forward to coming in the house of God that you will hear something on the Sabbath, that you will hear something in Bible study that's going to help you because you've prayed to God that the preacher, that the people around you, remember I said social connections because It's a lot of things people within the church have told me. It's a lot of things that after church or talking to people before church, mostly after church, though, that has strengthened me. That's why it says forsake not to assemble together of yourselves. We find out where we at and where others at and that we're not the only ones that's going through what we're going through. It may give you someone to pray for after talking with them or whatever, and you start revealing close and intimate and personal things to them. They pray for you, and you ask them to pray for you, and different things happen. We grow. But we so want them. You don't want nobody to know my business. You don't need to know my business. That's what's wrong. That little stinking business you got, that's why it's all messed up because you don't want nobody to know it. And you're suffering by yourself and you're suffering alone and you're going to die alone. Yes, sir. And God said it's not good for man to be alone. Yes. Another practical step in overcoming the spirit of slumber is to assume the right posture in prayer. Assume the right posture in prayer. If we think we're going to overcome this one on our knees and our eyes closed, we may find ourselves succumbing to sleep because it says prayer at all times. Did you know standing is a very popular posture of prayer? Mm-hmm. You know, you need to learn to pray while driving. Yes. Yes. I don't know who came up with this. Is Maybe, I don't know if it's, Somewhere in the Bible, I don't. I hadn't ran across it. They tell you to come with your eyes closed, close your eyes or whatever. Get on your knees. A lot of times in those positions, you fall, you find yourself falling asleep. A lot of Islamic people get barefooted or whatever, cross the legs, get on their knees and pray or whatever. Whatever posture you're in, you have to get into the position. And I remember my mother, as she got older and she had paralysis sometime authorized and things was bothering. I said, well, mother, what you doing? And she said, I'm praying. I'm just laying here praying. That's why I said, we learn, we, we must learn whatever we're at. We need to pray all the time. But prayer is open communications with God. And the Bible tells us cease not to pray. Cease not to pray. Prayer and supplications, let your requests be known to God. 
Fourth, identifying numbing behaviors that you may be using to escape fatigue is another way to resist the spirit of slumber. Identifying fatiguing ways is another way to escape the spirit of slumber. If you have given in to yielding to this spirit through escapism, that is, stop long enough to identify those refuges you are doing, like watching television, various other screens, isolations, getting away by yourself, maybe doing personal things, and and it's such a large list that the escape says, if something's wrong, read scripture. Meditate in the word of God. Talk with God and it will get away from those slumber that slumber. Exchange these numbing behavior for more helpful responses. Now enjoying some screen time can do good and help you. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. You do need refreshing. You do need times of sleep. Another practical step in overcoming the spirit of slumber is get the right kind of rest. Get the right kind of sleep. Yes. That's why, you know, I sleep on a sleep app machine because <clears throat> years ago I found out and I was telling my family I wasn't getting any sleep. Mm. Because without that machine, I'm constantly waking up or whatever, and this machine forces air into me, forces me to get rest. That way I'm not tired during the day. If you're physically tired during the day and doing a lot of sleeping or whatever, and a doctor tells you you have a sleeping disorder, you remember I told you God also put man here to help us? Mm -hmm. We have to learn what's defeating us because the body is the Lord. And if you're not treating your body properly, And if you're not getting to proper sleep, it's not restorative. I told Eddie one time, it's a guy that I used to work with named Eddie or whatever, and I've seen him at the doctor's office. I said, Eddie, you be going places, people sitting up there, and you're sleeping and going. That's not good for a Christian. And you see in the Bible, you never catch the people of God sleeping all the time. That's a bad example. And there's something wrong physically if you're always nodding off. You need to try to... Get those things worked out. Paul worked it out with Timothy. He says, take, drink a little wine for your often infirmities. Not to those teetotalers and those people. Oh, no, you shouldn't drink wine. It's wrong. Drink, drink or whatever. But then to the winos, they love to hear that, though. But there's another side to that, you know, because if you drink, and it's been proven, wine affects your sleep. He was telling Timothy that for a stomach disorder. But, you know, People that drink alcohol and everything has the worst tendencies to be able to sleep because it does another sense that I don't have time to go down that rabbit trail there. But that's what causes lethargy and everything to drink wine. And that's why most drunks or most people that you see on drugs or whatever, they do a lot of sleeping or whatever because it ruins your inhibitions. Mm. But that drink that I was telling you, the wine that for Timothy was for his often infirmities. So the restorative sleep, your your body has to have sleep. Jesus was asleep in the bottom of the boat. He wasn't sinning, but he had worked all day or whatever. But as soon as they said there was a problem, he rose up. I told you the five wise and the five foolish, they slumbered and they slept. And one of the greatest remedies, this one is the last one I'm going to name the day. One of the greatest remedies for slumbering and sleeping is repentance. Because what has happened, you've turned away from God. The people have turned against God's will. They were working against the will of God. They wasn't in communication with God. For that rejection and for that rebellion... God says, I'll turn you over to a reprobate mind. I'll turn you to sleep. And you know a sleeper never gets enough sleep? A little sleeping and a little slumber? You know, that's why they sleep all day, because sleep is an addiction. It's like wine, alcohol, or anything else. You'll never get enough sleep. 
It's like the eye getting enough seeing. The eye doesn't get enough sleep. It's an insatiable lust. That's why God has to balance your sleep life also. And if he pours a spirit of slumber out on you, it's for a reason, and it's a spirit of punishment. So we must repent and turn. That's why he told the church, sorry, to strengthen that which remains is to repent and turn, overcome. I know you have these vices because we're human. He had made us this way. God knows those things. That's why as a father, we come to him and pray, Father, Jesus said, pray to the Father in my name, that I'll do. So if you're aware that you're sleeping, and the preacher have come and says, arise, O sluggard, arise, O sleeper, and do what you should be doing. He came back and he called him sleep. Heavenly Father, help us today not to be 